Hello, my fellow Southerners. Welcome back into the show that's all about the Southeast on this getting the week started edition of Y'all. I'm John Rawl. For the next three hours, we're going to walk through what's going on across the 16 states from a news standpoint. Sadly, we've got COVID bouncing back up. They're doing something about it in Louisiana. I'll tell you what, John Bell Edwards has just kicked off here to try to stem the Delta variant. Also, we've got other news headlines we'll be sharing with you on this Monday. If you want to get involved, our number is 803-816-1170. That is the way to text or call us anytime you feel like it. We're available for you to reach out and get your inner Southern going with y'all.com, the website that presents us. And then, of course, that text and phone number is 803-816-1170. Also on today's Y'all Show, as we get this week up and a-going, we got sports updates. I'm going to tell you, actually, I did a lot of sporting events. I squeezed them in over the weekend. Not that you care, but yeah, some of it was involving some of our professional teams of the Southeast, and I got a chance to see both NFL and Major League Baseball action from this past weekend. I'll share with you a little bit of the fun there. Also, what's going on in college football? Speaking of my travels, over the weekend, I was just a couple of kilometers away from Clemson, South Carolina, and one of the Clemson football players has been ticketed for going well over 100 miles per hour. Luckily for me, when I was zipping through the upstate on Interstate 85, he didn't try to uh, pass me. I might have had him beat there. But, yeah, some news from the college football world that we'll be talking about here in our sports headlines of today's Y'all Show. Also, we've got coming up on today's Y'all Show a look at the Florida Gators. Chomp, 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 chomp. Love the Gators in the South, don't we? Yes, well, not unless you're a Tennessee fan or a Georgia fan or a fan of any other school. But Dan Mullen, what a job the coach has done as he's getting ready for what is this going to be, his fourth season this year? Gosh, it seems like just yesteryear. He was moving on from Mississippi State to go to the Swamp. But a lot of eyes on the Florida Gators entering the 2021 season. This is a program in 2020 that Coach Mullen led them to the SEC championship game. And they had a pretty good fight against the Alabama Crimson Tide in that championship tilt back in December. But the Gators are today's latest stop on our tour across the southeast. In fact, we got to make up for some lost time. We're going to tell you an hour or two about the Duke Blue Devils. But it's Florida up first today. We'll tell you about the 2021 season for Dan Mullen's Water Lizards. Also, we'll let you know about some of the great expectations, what you'll see at Florida Field on the player standpoint here this 2021 season. We'll let you know that. Some of the Florida Gator football history we'll share with that. In hour three today, Gator fans, we're going to tell you about the university itself, the massive institution that is the University of Florida in Gainesville. We'll also walk through some of the famous alumni of the University of Florida, and we'll tell you about some of the great traditions. And I'm sitting here at the Dixie Cafe doing the chomp chomp thing because that's one of the great traditions Florida fans love to taunt, if you will, their opponents And so today it's the Florida Gators in hour one and hour three, and we're going to squeeze in in hour number two some information about the Duke Blue Devils and Coach David Cutcliffe. Now, we're going to hear in hour two the current 
the the starting quarterback as Duke gets ready to start fall camp, the current quarterback listed at the starter for Duke is Gunner Holmberg. If you're not familiar with Gunner, I guess you're not enough of a Duke insider. Well, there's a reason you're not familiar with Holmberg. He's been on the roster. He's been on Duke's football team. But this guy is a graduate student who started his career there in Durham and has really not seen any playing time. I think he got a couple of snaps in 2020. But now he's been given the green light to lead this program in 2021. And he was recently at the ACC Media Days in Charlotte. And we're going to hear some audio from Gunnar Holmberg plus another one of his teammates, Mateo Durant, talked about Gunnar. And David Cutcliffe also chimed in on Gunnar Holmberg. We're going to hear that coming up in hour number two of today's show and tell you a little bit more about the history as well as some of the traditions of the Duke Blue Devil football team. Remember, it was in 1941 that Duke University hosted a Rose Bowl. And oddly enough, it was just last year, 2020, that the Rose Bowl, for only the second time in its history, packed up and left the left coast as it was played because of the restrictions in Los Angeles. It was moved out of Pasadena, and it was played in Arlington, Texas at Jerry World. And Alabama won the Rose Bowl there in Texas this past football season. But we'll have plenty of college sports talk, courtesy of Florida and the Duke Blue Devils, plus our number two, our old pal Jerry Short, is making a heroic return here to the Y'all Show this week. And he actually sent me a text prior to coming on here. The old boy is doing his homework. He's doing his prep. And he sent me an image of something that is rather creepy. And he's going to talk about ticks. We're here in the heat, the heat, the heart, whatever you want to call it, the summer. Although in some portions of the south this week, we might be a little cooler than expected. But red ticks are in the news. And specifically about how experts are warning of increasing cases of a red meat allergy from tick bites. And Jerry has researched this, and Dr. Jerry Short is going to tell us about ticks and a red meat allergy. That's going to be some of the fun he's going to share with us here. If you aren't weirded out already by me sitting here talking about ticks today, well, Jerry Short's going to fill you in on exactly what in the world. And this is a guy, by the way, if you don't know Jerry, our Takapola storyteller, he spent decades in the woods of the southeast surveying timber, doing, I guess he would be a surveyor at times. He's been a landman. He knows the woods. He knows the trees, and he knows the creepy crawlers and insects of the southeast. And I got to ask him a question. I'm still kind of uh, shaking in my boots here today. I'm pretty sure late on Sunday night, I was driving, making a pilgrimage across the southeast this last couple of days over the weekend. I am fairly certain I saw a wolf on the highway. It wasn't a coyote or coyote. I'm going to ask Jerry what he knows about gray wolves. I am fairly certain at sunset I saw one. And it was looking me right in the eye. Now, lucky for me, I was driving a car. And I wasn't like walking in the woods, me and this wolf. But, yeah, I've got to ask him what he knows about wolves. So help me remind myself to ask the Takapola storyteller as I – maybe we've got a fair number of wolves out there. 
I know we've got some wolves and sheep's clothing <laughs> here in the, in the southeast. Jerry Short's coming on. We got Melissa Rhodes. She's going to be filing a southern accent on food in hour number two. Can't wait to hear what she's got lined up for us on this y'all show. Plus, we'll also hear in the y'all show today give you an idea of what's at the home page of the South. That is y'all.com. And y'all.com has so much helpful information. We have continuously put stuff up over the last couple of days. And if you haven't gone to y'all.com, it's the simple four characters on your keyboard, Y-A-L-L.com. Just go there and you will see stories, interviews, conversation, fun, and it's all free of charge. It's y'all.com, the South's homepage. Encourage you to go there and check it all out. Reminder, this is the Y'all Show here on great radio stations. And if you want to listen to us on the great stations, turn that thing up and tell all your friends, hey, you need to tune in to this station and listen and, and tell people here. As in some cases, we got kids back in school. In fact, speaking of that, on the news front, some information from a back-to-school standpoint and the coronavirus coming to us from Marion, Arkansas. I'm going to tell you about that in just a handful of moments. But, yes, go to y'all.com. Go to our number to text us with a question or comment. That's 803-816-1170. And then, reminder that if you miss any portion of this show as it broadcasts on those incredible radio stations across the southeast, you can always find the podcast edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And to do that, you just need to dial up the old smartphone or your iPad or perhaps your laptop and look for any of the following apps. We are on the Apple Podcast app. We're on the Stitcher app free of charge. Just search for Y'all Show. Here recently, we've just been added to Spotify. So go to Spotify and search Y'all or Y'all Show, and our beautiful red logo is awaiting your subscription, your free subscription, so you don't miss a beat of our conversation about the Southeast. And so we're there on Spotify. We're also available to you on iHeartRadio, the app for that, and TuneIn Radio, as well as being right at the homepage of the South, y'all.com. Let's dive into what's going on across Dixie today. What a lovely day most of us have enjoyed so far today. But although the weather in most of the South looks pretty good today, unfortunately, coronavirus, specifically the Delta variant in the news. And today, the governor of Louisiana, Governor John Bell Edwards, announced that he's going to put a mask mandate in place across the state of Louisiana. Along with a list of officials, the governor of the Pelican State announced that with the latest numbers, the state must do to do more to stop the spread of COVID-19 as the, I guess he's in the second term of being the governor. The second term governor said it has become extremely clear that our current mitigation in place can deal with our current surge of COVID. No signs that things will flatten. Now, Governor Edwards of Louisiana said he's temporarily reinstating the mask mandate for unvaccinated and vaccinated people. Mask wearing will be when indoors, the mandate goes into effect on Wednesday. All children ages five and up and all adults will be part of this mandate, according to the Democratic governor of Louisiana. And that includes all school campuses throughout the state of Louisiana. This indoor mask mandate will be in place for now until September 1st. But a rather 
big step for Louisiana getting out in front of other southern states here today with Governor John Bell Edwards reinstating a statewide mask mandate across the Pelican State. That the news coming out of Baton Rouge today. Now, in Marion, Arkansas, they have already gone back to school. They have already had a week of school under their books there in eastern Arkansas. And a story is out where 168 students and three staff members are now in quarantine after the first week of school in the Marion School District in Arkansas. With nearly 170 students in this quarantine after just this first full week of school. And is this going to be a common theme going forward over these next couple of weeks as schools start to open? Some of the kids, hey, you might be listening to us now on your way out of school. You've just wrapped up your first day of school. Congratulations. Did you wear a mask? Maybe you were told you don't have to this year. Well, with stories like I just told you about Louisiana and Arkansas, might want to keep that mask handy because I could see easily across the southeast a surge of people deciding to put mask mandates back in place. Contact tracing in effect in the Marion, Arkansas School District. The school officials say over the course of a week, seven students tested positive for the virus along with three staff members. But those seven students have helped lead, again, in Marion, Arkansas, to a total of nearly 170 students and three staff members now in quarantine. And that's just after one full week of school. I hope this is not the norm. I hope this is an exception. That district in Arkansas says it's following Arkansas's Department of Health guidelines regarding vaccines and quarantine. Those who have been fully vaccinated and may have been exposed to the virus with no symptoms are not required to quarantine. That out of Arkansas. Now to South Carolina. Lindsey Graham says he tested positive for COVID-19. The longtime South Carolina senator said in a tweet here today, I was just informed by the House physician I have tested positive for COVID-19 even after being vaccinated. I started having flu-like symptoms Saturday night and went to the doctor this morning. So the veteran legislator, and I don't have his exact age. Lindsey Graham must be around 65 years old. That's just a guess. But, yes, he has announced in a Twitter post at Lindsey Graham SC that he has tested positive after flu-like symptoms, and now this guy who has been vaccinated, I assume most all of the U.S. senators have been vaccinated, is now testing positive for COVID-19. NBC has a NBC News has some data collected that shows that fewer than 1% of people who are vaccinated have tested positive for COVID-19. So how about that? According to this NBC News data, Lindsey Graham is one of one of just 1% of vaccinated people, according to that data, to end up testing positive for COVID-19. At least 125,000 fully vaccinated Americans have tested positive for COVID-19. And of that 125,000 that have tested positive, 1,400 of those have actually died from the coronavirus. But again, if we trust the numbers and we trust the science, Statistically, you're far better off to be vaccinated 
than to not be vaccinated. As a, if this data is correct, 99% of people who are vaccinated end up not being at least tested and proven to be positive with COVID-19. Lindsey Graham is one of the unlucky vaccinated folks that go down in this statistic of being positive. All right. I hate to break out the COVID stories, but that's the biggest story of this day. So let me bring you one final COVID-related story before we move on to other items across the Southeast today. In Charleston, West Virginia, the Mountain State says it will begin offering some fully vaccinated people free tests to measure antibody levels against the coronavirus. And this is a move to study whether some elderly and immunocompromised individuals should receive a third booster shot. This study, again, is all about whether a need is out there for a potential third COVID vaccine dose. West Virginia state officials said they're following the lead of Israel, which just announced, I think it was last week, that the country would offer a third COVID vaccine booster shot for fully vaccinated people over the age of 60. West Virginia said the state will offer antibody testing for residents 60 years of age and over, particularly those living in nursing homes and those who've received their final dose at least six months ago. But tell me that we're looking at stories like this today, a continuing look at possibly third COVID doses being in all of our future if you have been vaccinated. And if you have not been vaccinated, you might have the excuse and probably rightfully so, they don't know what they're doing. Why do you need to have three doses if they can't figure out what to do with doses one and two? Do you really think they know what they're doing with COVID vaccine three? That's just what a lot of people are thinking. This is a fluid situation and a lot of things change, unfortunately. And as we go through the twists and turns of the COVID saga, unfortunately, people die. And we hope we find solutions as fast as possible to stem the deaths of this region and this country. Now to some stories out of the volunteer state here. Unemployed Tennessee residents are now suing the state and the governor to reinstate unemployment benefits. Now, just a few weeks back, Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee announced that they were going to halt the federal benefits going to Tennesseans who were on unemployment. Tennessee, like many southern states, were doing this all in an effort to get people back to work to stop people from choosing to stay home and get paid a lot of money as opposed to going to work. One of these days, the kitty is going to run dry. So people are going to have to get back to work if they're able to. And a lawsuit filed by unemployed Tennessee residents, I don't have the exact number right now, but this lawsuit is asking the court to instruct the governor to restart federal benefits which I think have been $300 a week, just the federal portion of this. Now, back at the start of July, the first-term governor of the volunteer state, Governor Lee, halted the federal benefits program more than two months before it was set to expire. Tennessee was one of several states to make that decision as they cited an impediment to economic growth following a sluggish year due to COVID-19. So, Right now, a group of Tennessee residents filing a lawsuit here on this start of the week, filing it in the Middle Tennessee District Court, 
saying that they want those $300 a week benefits added to what the state of Tennessee gives out, which I think is $275 a week, and they're going to go to court for it. One other Tennessee-related story to tell you before we move on to more of the show about the Southeast. This is big news for not just the volunteer state, specifically the western end of Tennessee, but how about Arkansas and not far away Mississippi and the rest of the entire Mid-South and the entire country. Frankly, the Interstate 40 bridge has opened a little bit ahead of schedule. And finally, after months of being shut down because of a crack there, and the Hernando de Soto Bridge, which is right at the city of Memphis, the I-40 bridge reopened on Monday, now providing a quicker way for Memphians and people traveling on Interstate 40 to zip on over to East Memphis, East West Memphis in Arkansas, and then they can cross into the city of Memphis, and yeah, they can go on to East Memphis, but that one is actually in Tennessee, there in Shelby County, but How would you like to have been the first person or persons to jump in a car and travel over the I-40 Hernando de Soto Bridge with the thought in the back of your head, hmm, I sure hope this thing doesn't come down on me (laughs) because it's a long way down that Hernando de Soto Bridge into the mighty Mississippi, which is flowing below. All eastbound lanes open on Saturday, July 31st at 10 p.m., and now On this start of the week on Monday, the westbound lanes of I-40 have now fully reopened less than three months after it was suddenly closed to traffic by bridge inspectors. So fantastic transportation news coming to all y'all across the South, especially all of you in the Mid-South with the opening or reopening of the bridge in Memphis. We've got more of the show all about the South headed your way. Stay tuned. When we come back, we've got the great Southern sports update to get your week started. But we'll tell you about some college football news and more as the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent continues. was in good old Carolina over the weekend. I'll have to tell you about that here on the Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl. Man, it's fantastic to get the week going with you. Thank you for tuning us in. 803-816-1170 is the way you can get in touch with the show all about the Southeast. So Saturday night I was driving along Interstate 85 between Spartanburg and Atlanta, Georgia. 
and I went right past and actually stopped off at the Clemson exit there of Interstate 85 and had a great meal there at a place that I'm going to have to talk about this place because I had the great, great pleasure back in the days of Y'all Magazine to interview the founder of Hooters Restaurant. And Mr. Brooks was his name. I think Robert Brooks was his full name. And he helped start Hooters back in the 1970s, perhaps, down in Florida. I think Clearwater was their first one. And he was a South Carolina native, a Clemson alumnus, and he got Hooters going. And I ended up being at the Hooters in the Clemson area on Saturday night and had a fantastic meal. And one reason I'm talking about Hooters, a couple of Hooters-related stories to tell you about. First of all, did y'all realize that there are less and less Hooters restaurants across the Southeast? I went and looked at their website, and places where there have been Hooters locations, they're going quickly. I, I don't know what that's all about because... Look, I go there because of the food. I love their chicken fingers, and I love their buffalo chicken sandwich, and their fries are great. And one of the reasons Hooters is good for a food standpoint is, again, Mr. Brooks, who started Hooters, before starting Hooters, his claim to fame was he was the president of Naturally Fresh, which has a line of sauces and dipping sauces that you can find in premier restaurants as well as I think they even have Naturally fresh branded products in the grocery store and they have great great dipping things for salads and things like that and that's one reason hooters has really good food in my opinion but i was there at that hooters in anderson south carolina and they told me that they were the only one currently in that entire half of south carolina because the other one in greenville south carolina had just gotten shut down because a few days before a car came plowing through the Hooters in Greenville, and it really is. I saw the news story about it after she told me this, the lovely lady that worked there at Hooters, that a Hooters had a car come crashing through it, and it's shut down, but I think it'll be open. But, boy, there are a lot of places where there once was a Hooters. There are no more Hooters. And as a sports fan, another reason I like Hooters is because they usually have lots of sports on television. And if you're a sports fan and you have to travel like I do, Oftentimes, you're not sure exactly what you're going to find when you go into a place wanting to catch your favorite games. And normally, the Hooters of the world have a great selection. So one other fun fact here, as I can brag about myself on the Y'all Show, Mr. Brooks, again, the founder of Hooters, he passed away around 2005, sadly. But before he passed, do you remember Hooters Airline? Yes, Mr. Brooks had a Myrtle Beach, South Carolina-based airline that went to locations across the country. And at one time, Hooters Airline had it as their official in-flight publication, Y'all Magazine, with your boy, John Rawls, serving as publisher of Y'all. So, yeah, we, we, we here at Y'all kind of have a, a history with Hooters and Mr. Brooks. And, again, he passed away, good southern gentleman, and the company that he started continues on. But a, a fun fact there, and here I am talking about Hooters when I should be talking about sports because that's what we are doing here in this portion of the show talking sports and the reason i'm talking about hooters and i-85 and clemson because that actually is in the news clemson tiger cornerback fred davis ii has been charged with driving 115 miles per hour in a 55 miles per hour zone and he was also charged with a crash that injured a postal worker 
this guy's in a lot of trouble. This happened late Saturday night, right when I was dining at the local Hooters there in Anderson and in Clemson on the road that connects those two towns. Yeah, luckily me and Mr. Davis didn't come up, come upon each other, thankfully. The 19-year-old has been released on bond. According to a release from the Clemson, South Carolina Police Department, Fred Davis II was allegedly driving 60 miles over the speed limit in a 55 miles per hour speed zone when he crashed his car into the rear of a mail carrier's truck. And I think this happened Saturday night. What in the world is a mail carrier truck doing out on the road at on a Saturday night? Maybe it was one of the larger trucks that haul mail all over the place. So this guy in a lot of trouble. I think he's okay from a standpoint of not being injured, and he didn't injure anyone else as far as I know. He is a freshman from Jacksonville, Florida, expected to compete for playing time in the secondary this season. As a true freshman in 2020, Davis had 13 tackles and two pass breakups. And, again, reports out that he was not injured in the wreck. A wreck that, again, he was driving 60 miles over the 55-mile-per-hour speed limit. And he might not be on the playing field for a while, but he darn sure better not be on the asphalt surfaces of the south when you drive that careless. He, he at least needs to have his license taken away for quite some time, don't you think, as a public service to us all? From Clemson, let's go to Tuscaloosa. And Nick Saban is set to average $9.8 million per season under a brand-new contract that has been approved by the University of Alabama and its administrators. The 69-year-old coach, he turned 70 in October, he's going to make $8.4 million this year, and his salary will then set to, it's set to increase annually. He will be paid an average of $9.8 million over the lifetime of the contract with his final year set to make $11.2 million a year. Saban getting ready to enter his 15th season at the Capstone and everybody else across football, they're all asking the question that you want me to answer right now. So with this new contract, is this going to be the last one? Is this guy going to get the heck out of T-Town and stop coaching college football? Well, if you're not an Alabama fan, you're saying, whew, I hope so. Could you imagine Alabama football without Saban? Now, I know they've had moments of greatness from Stallings. And, of course, that guy named Paul Bryant, the Union University coach who went on to Kentucky and Texas A&M before finding a lot of success at the Capstone. But Nick Saban is a whole nother level of greatness himself. And with his now set to make 11, what is it, 11.2 million, he and Terry, his wife, ought to have plenty of money for, for a while with that kind of money for this deal that runs several years. So congratulations to the very, very wealthy head coach of the Alabama Crimson Side. And frankly, let's be honest with you. He earns that money. He is the most successful college football coach in the history of the sport. And if other coaches can make 8, 9, 10, heck yeah, Nick Saban can make all that money and he can say roll tide on his way to the bank. Carson Wentz, NFL News. It looks like he's going to have foot surgery and is expected, expected to be out up to, 12 week, up, up, up to 12 weeks. That according to the head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich, the former quarterback of the 
Buffalo Bills and Carolina Panthers putting that out as Wentz now undergoing surgery today, and he's going to be missing at least the start of the season as teams have just gotten to camp. That was another thing I did over the weekend. I don't think y'all want to hear my chronicles, but one of the fun things I did do over the weekend besides eating at Hooters, I went to a training camp for the Carolina Panthers at Wofford College in Spartanburg, and I saw my second NFL training camp. The first one I saw was in the South as well, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals having their training camp many years ago at Georgetown College in Georgetown, Kentucky. So I'm chalking up all my training camp places that happen in the southeast. I need to get to Saints training camp. That's in West Virginia. That'd be a a good place to be right now. But no, I ended up at Spartanburg. I'll tell you more if I'm able to today. If not, I'll squeeze it in. But I was able to see Sam Darnold taking snaps under center as the Panthers' new starting quarterback. Christian McCaffrey looked mighty healthy out there running around. No pads. It was essentially an opportunity to have players come out and be 20 feet away. There was no way you could get a photo nor or up-close photo. No, no way you could get an autograph. The NFL has a policy, at least for training camp, you can't come within 20 feet of a player or an official with the team. So we did the best we could. The 5,000 Panther folks in attendance there at Gibbs Stadium in Spartanburg, South Carolina for Carolina Panthers training camp. And one of the cool things the NFL did was this year for the first time, at least that I'm aware of, they had a deal called Back Together. And on Saturday across all 32 teams, each team rolled out the carpet for their fans and they had a free event. It didn't. The only thing that cost me I went to the concession stand. I bought a $4 drink, and let me tell you, it was a gigantic drink for $4. Way to go, Panthers. Way to go, Wofford College, for giving you that. That was the only thing I paid for. Parking was free. The Seeing the players out there practicing, that was free. They had a lot of games for kids and more. That was all free. And if I wanted to buy a souvenir, that would have cost me. But they were actually giving away some neat things. Got a keep pounding towel really cool carolina panther blue towel that was given away and it was just a really neat thing and i think every nfl team did something like that over the weekend so the nfl does a few things wrong but boy they do a lot of things right and that was a a brand new thing that they put on this past weekend that to the credit of the league i think it's going to be the way it's going to be going forward and, and here is what they did a little bit different from what they've done in the history of the National Football League. So usually every team does something kind of like what happened this past weekend for their fans, but it's staggered. And it's usually maybe on the first day of camp when it opens or it might be toward the end of camp. But what the NFL said, let's go out on that first Saturday of training camp for every team. And on that one day, that Saturday, we're going to have a big blowout for our fans. And the NFL Network kicked in coverage, and they did a full day of going to every one of the 32 camps. And I don't know if you tuned in over the weekend and saw that, but that was really cool if you're a football fan. Now that we have essentially turned the calendar, we're in August. We're about a month away from the start of the regular season. It was a great publicity move by the NFL. And if you aren't able, if you weren't able to go this year, put that date on the calendar. I bet you the NFL and their infinite wisdom – are going to try to pull off something next year. And from a cost standpoint, you can't beat free. And that's exactly what you had this past weekend across the National Football League with 
back together a really, really good job. Uh, Commissioner, good job. Now, make y'all the official show of the National Football League and we'll be in business. (laughs) When we come back, we'll keep sports talk going. We will tell you all about the Florida Gators. That's the latest stop on our tour across the Southeast. Go Gators! We're going to tell you about the orange and blue next. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. Oh, can you feel it, Gator fans? Today, Florida is our stop on our 44-city tour across the southeast. This has got to be one of the coolest, catchiest things in the background of any of our massive stadiums across the southeast. Go Gators! The Florida Gators and Dan Mullen preparing for the start of the 2021 season. We're going to walk through the schedule. We'll tell you a little bit more about what to expect from Florida, the defending SEC East champions entering the 2021 season. And before this show is up today, in hour number three, I'm going to tell you all about the Gators, their great alumni, and the Florida Gator traditions. I'm doing the chomp air. Chomp, chomp. Gator fans, swell. Get all swole up because you've got a lot to be excited for. The Florida Gators and Dan Mullen start their fall camp on Friday. And it ends fall camp just, just over two weeks later on August 22nd. Players reporting actually Thursday before camp begins on Friday. In 2020, Florida posted an 8-4 and four record. And that was good enough, again, to get them into the SEC championship. They did beat their hated rival from Athens in the cocktail party. That is how Florida ended up winning the SEC East in 2020. The Gators' offensive veterans for 2021 include wide receivers Jacob Copeland and Justin Shorter. They got Damian Pierce and Malik Davis back in the running back position. And they also have several talented tight ends, Keon Zipperer, Amongst those, on the defensive side of things, the Gators have junior quarterback or cornerback Kalir Alam. He's also joined by linebackers Ventrell Miller, Amari Bernie, and also defensive lineman Zach Carter, as well as pass rushers Jeremiah Moon and Brenton Cox Jr. That a list of some of the great players that Dan Mullen has heading into the 2021 season. The 21 campaign begins against the Owls of Florida Atlantic. That is a game set for Ben Hill Griffin Stadium on September 4th. 
The Gators actually travel to USF. They got a game in Tampa September 11th before they start SEC play in the swamp against the defending national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. And this is the first stop the Tide have made are making in Florida field in well over a decade. So that's going to be a fantastic game there. And the following weekend, September 25th, that great SEC East battle between the Gators and the Tennessee Vols. That this year will be in the swamp on September 25th. The Gators then hit the road to Kentucky October 2nd. They've got a game back in Gainesville against Vandy on October 9th. The rival from the West, the LSU Tigers, They will be hosting Florida October 16th. It'll be the cocktail party in Jacksonville on October 30th. They'll be in Columbia to take on the new coach of the Gamecocks, Shane Beamer. That game set for November 6th at Williams-Brice Stadium. They go out of conference to take on Bobby Bowden's alma mater. The Samford Bulldogs go to Gainesville for a game on November 13th. November 20th, the Gators are at Missouri. And then they wrap up the regular season at home against the Florida State Seminoles on November 27th. As far as the Florida Gators football program, it started back in 1906, and now Dan Mullen is leading this program. They've been, of course, founding members of the SEC, and they're at Steve Spurrier Florida Field. You can go there and check out nearly 90,000 clad in orange and blue on a game day to see a team that has claimed three national titles. 1996, that was under Spurrier. And then how about Urban Meyer and the job he did? 2006 and 2008, national champions, the Florida Gators. They have won eight SEC titles. Hard to believe, but before Steve Spurrier got to Gainesville, Florida had never won an SEC title. And they won in 91, they won in 93, They won in 94, 95, 96, 2000. And then during the time that Urban Meyer was there, 2006 and 2008. Great football since Spurrier arrived. Of course, guy who won a Heisman Trophy playing for the Gators back in the 1960s. And the Florida Gators are set for a great return to to the top, to the top of the swamp with Dan Mullen leading the way. Now, Mullen, who's a native of New Hampshire. I think he was raised in New Hampshire, although born in Pennsylvania. The 49-year-old head coach did amazing work at Mississippi State. He took the Cal College in Octavia County to the number one spot in college football around 2014. And that was good enough ultimately to get him out of there and get into the swamp. And Dan Mullen is now going to be his fourth season as head coach, he has nearly 100 wins to his credit and has already claimed in 2020 that SEC Eastern Division title. But he wasn't there to just go to the championship game for the conference. He was there. He's there to win, and he's there to get back to winning national championships at the University of Florida. Dan Mullen was recently interviewed on cbssports.com and on the CBS Sports Network by Auburn alum Barrett Salee. Let's go in and hear what the coach of the Gators has to say about his 2021 football team as Barrett Salee fires away great questions to the UF head coach. 
Dan, last year, great year. It ended on a sour note. Did that put a chip on your guy's shoulder? Uh, you know, I, I think it, it was a great learning experience for our guys. I think, obviously, the SC, loss in the SEC championship game, uh, our guys getting that hunger to get back there and go win the SEC championship uh, was huge uh, for us coming into the offseason. I think the bowl game was a huge learning experience for guys. A lot of guys got to play that had gotten minimal playing time during the season. With, with the number, We had a lot of guys opt out and, uh, you know, played a ton of guys so it was I think you know for our guys the chip on the older guys the chip on the shoulder to get back to win that championship game for the younger guys realizing hey when I was recruited when I came in as a young player I thought I was ready for the big stage I realized when I got put on that stage I wasn't ready for that moment Uh, and I think it's really helped us this offseason of the team growing. Is that something you see continuing with more opt-outs, the, the fact that maybe bowl games kind of come become spring games, so to speak? I, you know, I, I talked to a bunch of people about this. It's interesting. So, I mean, in, in three years at Florida, the first two years we have nobody opt-out. Mm-hmm. Last year we have a bunch opt-out, you know. So is that a one-off from the year that was, I mean, as emotionally uh, and, and it just exhausting mm-hmm. uh, that you could ever have in college football last year? Mm-hmm. That it just was, you know, I'm just – I'm, I'm done mm-hmm. uh, you know I think there are a lot of guys not even often out are a lot of guys on the team were like I, I, you know I, I'm just done you know yeah. like let's 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 hit reset and see if we can, can start this over and hopefully 2021 is a better year than 2020 uh, in life so I don't know but it'd be interesting to see you know I mean I, I talked to one person I said you know it'd be really interesting to put bowl games uh, as exhibition games mm-hmm. in spring That'd be a really interesting idea because now, hey, let's make it an educational trip. You go learn about this city. Uh, you create this great matchup, and you know by by the end of by the end of April, usually everybody's about ready to see some football right now. Yeah. So, uh, being a, you know, I don't know how they go about it and continue to move it in the future with what looks like the expansion of the playoffs. So, Emory Jones uh, obviously is one of your first recruits, if not your first recruit, when you got the Florida job. Slightly different quarterback than Kyle Trask. Explain how your offense is going to look different and, and what kind of passer Emory is. I, well, he's a great passer. Huge arm. Very, very talented arm. Um, you know, and so, uh, he's, but he comes in with a great athleticism. His ability, you know, I think Kyle Trask, his ability to extend plays was in a small wind area in the pocket. And, you know, I mean, which is a, a really important skill of being able to, you know, how, how do you buy fractions of seconds yeah. in the pocket? Um, you know, Emory's going to be more dynamic. He can, he can break you down with his legs, and, and he can a, a extend plays and, uh, you know, create uh, with his athleticism. But, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that comes in. He's played a lot. He, he has experience. He's put up numbers in, in meaningful games in big situations in the past. Highly recruited guy that's really taken his time to learn the right way uh, and develop the right way that's going to be ready for his opportunity. And that was the Gator head football coach, Dan Mullen, being interviewed by CBS Sports' Barrett Salee as the Florida Gators getting ready for the big season they project in the swamp with Dan Mullen leading the way. We'll tell you more on UF in Hour 3 about the traditions and famous alumni of the University of Florida. We will also be talking in Hour 2 about the Duke Blue Devils so make sure you stick around for all of the fun of David Cutcliffe's football program as we squeeze them into hour two. Up next, though, we're going to wrap up this first hour of our conversation of the South with some Southern history from the Battle of Mobile Bay to Louis Armstrong. All that is ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent.
colors of the rainbow so pretty in the sky are also on the faces of people going by I see friends shaking hands saying how do you do they're really saying I love you I hear babies cry much more than I never knew, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. There's old Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, Louis Armstrong born this week, back in 1901, born in the Crescent City of New Orleans. We lost Armstrong back in 1971 at age 69. But what a great repertoire, the New Orleans native with his inventive trumpet style and his great voice and more. Louis Armstrong, who had that nickname of Satchmo, Satch as well as the nickname of Pops, born August 4th of 1901. Born this week back in 1749, a little bit before Satchmo's time, Thomas Lynch Jr., He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence and a representative of the state of South Carolina. Now, the interesting thing about Thomas Lynch Jr., who passed away before the Revolutionary War even ended, as he died in 1779 at roughly 34 years of age, this South Carolina plantation owner, he signed the Declaration of Independence because his father was unable to sign it because of illness. So his daddy... Thomas Lynch Sr. was supposed to be the one that put his big signature on the Declaration of Independence. And how about that? History shows that it was his son, Thomas Lynch Jr., actually being one of South Carolina's representatives to sign that famous document in our nation's history. Also this week, we celebrate the birth of the United States Coast Guard. Alexander Hamilton lobbied Congress to fund the construction of 10 cutters which happened as Congress passed on on August the 4th of 1790, this motion to make the Coast Guard official. So for all our Coasties out there, happy birthday here this week. The United States Coast Guard, the important job the Coast Guard plays in our nation's defense. By the way, right now, there's about 41,000 active duty members of the United States Coast Guard For all of you who've served in the Coast Guard, thank you for your service, and happy birthday as well. Don't know if the Coast Guard was involved, but it was this week back in 1864, you had the Battle of Mobile Bay in Alabama, and this was a battle fought between a Tennessean and Rear Admiral David Farragut as he led Union Navy forces, and they went against a Confederate fleet led by Franklin Buchanan, a native of Baltimore. I wonder if he was kin to the president right before the Civil War began. I'm not sure about that, but Franklin Buchanan, born in 1800. So Confederate and naval forces of the United States clashing in this big naval battle in 1864. And it went down after a couple of weeks as a Union victory between these forces as 151 Union 
sailors were killed in this. Only 13 Confederate killed Confederate sailors, but the Confederates had over 1,500 members of their forces captured, and they also had a couple of gunboats destroyed and captured, and an ironclad captured. One ironclad for the Union forces was sunk in the Battle of Mobile Bay, which happened again this week in 1864. And lastly, here in our look of Southern history for this week, it was this week back in 1964 that the bodies of Andrew Goodman, James Cheney, and Michael Schwerner were found in Neshoba County, Mississippi. That is in Philadelphia, in Neshoba County, Mississippi. And these three men who were out campaigning, I think, for voting rights, I think that's what they were out, or something to do with civil rights, these three figures of the civil rights movement were all murdered and their bodies found this week after a search and i think it might have been coast guard if it wasn't coast guard it was naval forces from the coast of mississippi were called up to the swamps of the pearl river in neshoba county and there in 1964 those three men two white i believe both of the white men were jewish guys from up north who had come south and then james cheney who was a member of corps was the black man killed. And that happened this week in 1964 when their bodies were found and one of the ugliest chapters of our very ugly struggle with civil rights here in this part of the country. And here on the All Show, we talk about the struggles. We talk about the ugly parts of our country and our region's history, and that happened right here in 1964, right here in the Southeast. That will wrap up here this first hour of our monday edition of y'all hang on hour two is right around the corner and in hour number two we're going to get it going with some conversation about the duke blue devils and then our taco polo storyteller jerry short will be checking in with a great conversation that's all ahead on the show that truly is the south show this is the y'all show Let me be the first to welcome you into this, the second hour of the show covering everything Southern. And also, I forgot to do it in hour number one. Let me welcome you into August, the eighth month of the year. Oh man, 2021 is quickly winding down, but we are going to do our best to keep it around as long as we possibly can and tell you about what's going on across the Southeast. If you're a proud Southerner, you found the right spot here, the Y'all Show. And we're going to tell you about what's going on across the South as we have plenty of sports talk coming up here in the second hour. We also have our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. He will be dropping by with a report in just a handful of moments, so you don't want to miss out on the fun. And again, as I have already let the tick out of the bag, he's going to be talking about ticks. And I need to know what he's talking about because it has more that than just about these little creepy things that can end up on your clothing or in your hair or on your on your daggum skin. There's something pretty important that you need to know about ticks these days. And Jerry has that information that he'll be passing along in just a few minutes. Also, before the hour is up, we have Melissa Rhodes and a southern accent on great southern food that she'll be sharing with us. All that's ahead, but we begin this hour of the Y'all Show 
with our own little fancy open because we've got the Duke Blue Devils on the front of our plate to start our number two. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. And we're taking that big tour across the southeast, and we're glad that you will be here for the ride because we're going to take you now on this y'all show on this Monday to two different stops along the way. We're still doing a little catch-up. We weren't able to get one of our schools featured in last week, so we're going to double up here on this Monday edition and not only talk about the Florida Gators in hours one and three, we're going to squeeze in here in hour two the Duke Blue Devils. Out of the Atlantic Coast Conference, David Cutcliffe is the coach of Duke. Yeah, they got a football team there in Durham. And we're going to tell you about that football team. Enjoy the fight song first. Catchy little tune there by the Duke fight song, the band of the Duke and the fight song there. Duke begins the 2021 season on the road on September 3rd. They're taking on the 49ers of UNC Charlotte. Their home opener at Brooksville at Wallace Wade Stadium is September 10th when the Aggies of North Carolina A&T come over. Northwestern out of the Big Ten comes to Durham for a game on September 18th. The Durham is the site of Kansas. Rock Chalk Jayhawk comes to Durham for a game on September 25th, and then ACC play begins for David Cutcliffe's team. A rival, the big rival game. I'm going to tell you about this rivalry game because it actually has a neat little tradition mixed in. It's North Carolina and Duke there at Keenan Stadium down the road from Durham October 2nd. Durham is where you'll find the Duke Blue Devils and their Coastal Division foe, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, on October 9th. The Devils will be playing Virginia on the road October 16th a game at Wake Forest on October 30th. The Pitt Panthers will be the opponent on November 6th. It's Virginia Tech on the road November 13th. The Duke Blood Devils have a cross-divisional foe in the Louisville Cardinals on November 18th, that game at Durham. And then the final game, it's a home game too. The Miami Hurricanes come in for a game on November 27th, and that is what's in line for Duke's football squad of 2021. David Cutcliffe back. I think this is about his 12th season now coaching the Duke Blue Devils. And he has just shy of a 500 record there leading the Devils. He's currently 71-74. and And he looks to pack the crowds. The 40,000-seat Wallace Wade Stadium there on the Duke campus has seen a Rose Bowl, but they haven't seen a lot of championships. In fact, Duke has not won a conference title since a guy named Spurrier was there. In 1989, been a long time. Now, Duke actually claims two national titles as a football program, 1936 and 1941. And I think that actually predates by some 50 years Duke's first national basketball national championship. 
because I don't think it was until Coach K was there that they actually got their first basketball championship, I think. But we're not here to talk basketball. That's that's for another day when we talk about the future of Duke basketball. It's all Duke football and the tradition that is Duke University when it comes to the gridiron and more. And this year, Coach Cut, he's got one heck of a rebuild. Remember, it was last year he had a one-and-done transfer come in from Clemson. The year before that, his quarterback went on to the NFL to be the head co- the, the starting quarterback, the replacement for Eli Manning in the NFL, Daniel, Daniel Jones. And so here we are, third year, and a third different quarterback is going to step up for David Cutcliffe's program. And that quarterback is a guy who's been around the program. He's a guy that's going to be given the opportunity as a graduate student to be Duke's starting quarterback. But this guy, has not, he's not transferring in like most of these quarterbacks do these days. He's been there. He's seen Daniel Jones starting at quarterback. He had to sit and watch the transfer in from Clemson in 2020. And now Duke is going to call on Gunnar Holmberg to be the starting quarterback, a guy who's been on the bench at Duke all these years. He's already got his degree, but in one last hoorah, He's got the chance to lead this program to many wins and maybe get them back to the ACC championship game in Charlotte. Here is the quarterback of Duke talking about his opportunity. We're also going to have a player on the Duke football team, Mateo Durant, comment on Gunnar Holmberg being the quarterback. And you're also in this clip going to hear from the head coach of the Devils, David Cutcliffe, talking about his starting quarterback. So let's hear this from the ACC media days recently held in Charlotte. It's all about Duke's quarterback, Gunnar Holmberg. Even now, you know, I guess my freshman year, you know, understanding how much you have to learn, not even the opposing team's defense, but your own offense, just how long that takes to learn and the learning curve in that. Um, and seeing a guy like Daniel who just had total command over it and Quentin Harris and their, their command over the offense, I think was big time. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I think even the, the time it took for me to get here, um, I've always said it's a, a blessing in disguise and, you know, just from giving me time, to be able to be very comfortable with our offense. Um, you know, I've been in the system enough to where I've seen, you know, what type of defenses guys in our division play. Um, we'd be comfortable with them and familiar with them. And now I'm glad that he's going to be able to get the opportunity to showcase his skills because he's a very talented quarterback. He's an unquestionable leader, and he always, you know, makes sure the team is fine, whether it's on the field or outside the field. So I'm ready for him to be able to get the opportunity to shine. And watching him develop not only as a player, but as a person has been extremely important for me. And to see uh, his mother celebrate his success. You know, I've always said it, you know, when you go to college, college football, the program you walk into, it's probably never going to go the way that you planned it. Um, and I think, you know, I learned that from, from Dan and from Quinn and just hearing their stories and even, you know, people within my family that have played college football and have played, you know, just a bunch of sports and seeing the adversity they've gone through and how you handle it. I think it also helps you kind of step back from the game for a little bit and understand, you know, it's really just the game you love and the game you grew up playing. So just really enjoy it, um, embrace it. Like I said, it's a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I'm just trying to enjoy the ride while I'm here. And that's number 12 in blue and white for the Duke Blue Devils, Gunnar Holmberg. He is a native of Wake Forest. That's the community of Wake County north of Raleigh in the state capital of North Carolina. He is a North Carolina native, now a senior, technically a graduate student for Cutcliffe's Duke Blue Devils. He played his high school football at Heritage there in the Raleigh area. 
and now as a graduate student, he's taking over Duke's offense and hoping to guide them to great success. Now, a little bit on the repertoire of Gunnar Holmberg. How about this? In 2018, he played in one game. He got one rushing attempt for 19 yards in that game. I think it was in the Independence Bowl against Temple back in 2018. In 2019, he did not see any action after suffering a season-ending knee injury during fall camp. In 2020, he was expected to compete for the starting quarterback role but ended up being sent to the back of the bench. He got one rushing attempt in 2020. He played a total of three snaps at quarterback for Duke in the past year's action. And now this Wake Forest, North Carolina alum, uh, native, Gunnar Holmberg, a graduate of Duke University, he's not transferring in. He's been a part of the program. He is going to be taking over Cutcliffe's offense in 2020. We wish him all the best. Again, Duke begins the 2021 season on the road with a game at Jerry Richardson Stadium in Charlotte against the Charlotte 49ers, and that's on Friday, September 3rd. Let me quickly tell you a little bit about Duke University's famous alumni, of course, sports figures that played there from the likes of Grant Hill, one of the most beloved characters of sports in the last couple of decades. How about all the other Duke basketball alums who've gone on with great NBA careers and more? And then you've got people like Adam Silver. Did you realize the NBA commissioner is a Duke University alumnus? How about Elizabeth Dole, the one-time senator for the state of North Carolina? And I think she was the head of uh, American Red Cross. That's it. I think she was the head of that one time. That's going way back with my knowledge of that. The wife of Bob Dole, Elizabeth Dole, a Duke University alumnus. And then how about... Ken Jong, the actor, you know him from the crazy movie where they go to Vegas, and he's uh, Mr. Mr. What is it? What's his name in that movie? I forgot. Uh, but I just know Kim Jong, a very funny North Carolina native and a Duke University alumnus. In fact, he might even have a medical degree in, in, from Duke University. But very, very talented. So many very talented people have gone to Duke University whether they're famous or not. Now, some of the tradition of Duke, how in the world did they come up with the nickname the Blue Devils? Well, back in World War I, the Chaucheurs Alpines, nicknamed La Diables Blue, were well-known French soldiers. They first gained attention when their unique training and alpine knowledge was counted upon to break the stalemate of trench warfare. And that's how they kind of got known, those Blue Devils from France, and somehow that ended up being put to the Duke University athletic teams as Duke's distinctive blue uniform with a flowing cape and the jaunty beret got public attention and Duke liked it so much that they changed their name to the Blue Devils. When the United States entered the war, units of the French Blue Devils toured the country helping raise money in the war effort. Irving Berlin captured their spirit in a song describing them as strong and active and most attractive. Those devils, the Blue Devils of France... And now the Blue Devils of the Duke University athletic programs. One of the great traditions Duke has actually is something they share with their rival from eight miles up the road, or actually down the road, and that's North Carolina. When these two teams play football, there's the victory bell that's at stake. 
and whoever wins between UNC and Duke gets to take the bell home and paint it in their school colors. And so the Victory Bell rivalry has been going on for a long time between these neighbors. And also, you can't help but think when you think of Duke football, we told you the program claimed a couple of national championships going way back to the 1930s and 40s as they have claimed 1936 and 41 as national champions. And it was in 1941, the Rose Bowl had to get moved. It got moved to Durham, and Duke got to host that Rose Bowl the first time it ever was moved away from Pasadena. And the second time it ever got moved away was last year when it was moved away from Pasadena because of COVID-19 concerns. But that's a little bit of the history and more of Duke University, and they have a proud football program. They may not put 80,000 in the stands, but they do have a loyal core of fans, and they put out a competitive program. David Cutcliffe, I think, has done a remarkable job in Durham. And I remember some 10 years ago, Duke got their season going with the Alabama Crimson Tide coming over for a visiting game to Wallace Wade Stadium. Plus, these teams have played in Atlanta, too, in recent years. But how about Alabama? They're not afraid to go on the road and play at Duke. And Duke hosted the Crimson Tide. That was, what, 10 years ago or so? Crazy, crazy how time flies. But Duke and David Cutcliffe poised for a much better 2021 season. And we wish Coach Cutcliffe all the best as he's still skippering the Devil football program. When the Y'all Show comes back, Jerry Short is our Takapola storyteller. He's going to be on to tell us what in the world's going on in the South storytelling capital, Takapola. That's ahead. He's going to be talking about ticks. Just be warned. The Y'all Show continues after this break. into the y'all show and if you love the south and you love our great traditions and history and our scenery and our people and our food and our stories well you love this opportunity each week when the takapola storyteller makes his weekly visit to the show that's all about the southeast i'm john rawl the general of all things southern and we do welcome in now from Takapola, USA, that guy who puts the Southern and Southern storytelling into the program that's all about the Southeast. Jerry, hope you're doing well. Welcome in to the Y'all Show. Hey, John. Yes, sir. Well, which story I was going to kind of throw at you today. We're having a little, uh, little problem with uh, uh, one of our uh, – I never have got along with them too good, but they're all over the South ticks. 
and uh, I was going to tell you a little bit about that when we got around to it. Well, I, let's not hold back, Jerry. This is an important subject. Ticks. You're talking about those little little creatures that we find maybe in our hair this time of year? Yeah, and if you've worked in the woods like I have all your life, you find them uh, in your ankles, in your feet, and behind your knees, and around your waistline, and under your arms, and everywhere. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, the woods are full of them. When I was a young guy, there wasn't many around. You know, I think they kind of come here from the southwest as the wind changes and uh, come in with the jet streams and uh, animals. I think a lot of them came in when we started getting more deer in the early 50s. And uh, they, deer, they, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a traveling device for ticks is uh, to hop on a deer and ride. So uh, I think they brought a lot of disease and a lot of things that we could do without besides all that scratching and itching. But uh, right now, uh, I've heard of a. Uh, you may not. Have, you may not be aware of the. If you're, are you aware of the red meat allergy that's uh, kind of popping its ugly head up? Jerry, I didn't get my degree from Takapola A and M, so <laughs> no, I'm not familiar with the red meat allergy. Does this have something to do with ticks? It's got it all to do with ticks, and well, a special tick. A tick, uh, you know, ticks are ticks, but there's different species types of ticks. And uh, the ones that I always uh, tell you, you know, when I worked in the woods buying land acquisition for a timber company, uh, I would come, my wife would not let me come in the house fully closed from my day in the woods. I had to... Uh, go to the back patio and uh, undress and come in and take a bath immediately because she was really kind of um, scared of having any ticks in her home. So, but, uh, you know, we kind of grew up with the only ticks you'd see would be on, on your pets, on dogs, and they would be full of dog where they had sucked blood and they'd be all fat and full and we'd bust them and move on and not think about them and then they got worse and worse, and, you know, you remember way back, it was a Rocky Mountain spotted fever uh, that ticks were bringing in. And when I worked for that uh, that timber company, uh, I guess that's one of the first uh, required vaccines that we had to have. They had a vaccine for Rocky Mountain spotted tick fever. and uh, Which can be deadly, can it? Oh, yeah, it could be bad. Really good. And... Uh, they uh, only had the vaccine when we took it. That was in the real early stages. It had just gotten in the southeast. But uh, we had to get our vaccine from uh, Colorado. And uh, I know it took uh, a while, but the health department would give it to us. They had to ship to them. They had to keep it cool. And we took those. And, and it was a series of about four or five shots we had to take. And... Uh, to keep us because we were in the we were in their environment uh we were in the home of the tick every day just about and uh, you can't go in the woods and look at timber without uh rubbing against a bush and they're waiting for a ride and they'll crawl up about midway on a bush or a tree or something and they'll catch a hold of you if you come by 
So, you know, it's probably a good idea to wear a long sleeve shirt and, and probably boots and blouse boots if possible. But, you know, I, I never did do all that and I probably should have because we found out later on that that, uh, that that vaccine that we were taking really wasn't doing us any good. <laughs> it was kind of a bogus vaccine, but that was the one that uh, the government was recommending at that time. So, uh, but now we've got this red meat allergy, which uh, scientists and uh, doctors are calling it an alpha gala uh, syndrome. And uh, that, uh, it, it keeps you, uh, once you uh, get it, and it's, it's, you know, started, it hadn't been discovered by about 10 years. And uh, people, uh, very few people had it. When I think it was at uh, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina University, at the University of North Carolina, a uh, doctor discovered it. And uh, at that time, there was something like only, gosh, it was just a few uh, cases, maybe 100. But most people didn't know when they would eat meat like if you get uh if the tick infects you and uh and, and injects you uh it begins with a bite from this they call it a long a lone star tick and that's not the lone star texas that's because it's got the females have a lone uh, spot on their back hmm. and uh, it starts with that bite and anyway the tick bite they put a uh it's kind of got a sugar molecule that goes into into your body and they get their sugar molecule from their uh their parasite off of the animals that they're riding on it might be a cow it might be a horse might be you know any kind of mammal like that and they get it that way and then it injects into the human and when it goes into your body or in some people it really triggers a a gosh dog uh, in their system a reaction and, you know it's uh one it just causes a reaction to the red meat such as any type pork beef lamb any type red uh meat that uh or any mammal meat any anything from mammals that uh and it, it that you will get uh you can get deadly sick with it if it's not actually uh if you're not discovered but it takes a long time to develop because when a tick attaches itself to you and uh, and and goes ahead and sets that injection in you and starts sucking the blood out of you, and it'll take him probably, oh, I'd say uh, 24 to 48 hours to get enough uh, of his uh, uh, molecules into your bloodstream. And then if you go eat red meat, it would take eight to twelve to fourteen hours or so for that to for you to get sick, kind of like um, you would just get a bad sickness from any kind of bad food, but you wouldn't know what it was. So it took for years for him to discover that it was coming that way through a through a lone star tick through uh, and it's a sugar residue in sugar mo- uh, molecule. And the sugar molecule goes into us, and it, it causes this reaction. So uh, it's here now, and it's spreading. And um, it's located mostly in our, of course, the southeastern part of the United States. And, and like I said, you know, 
deer, I said that about the uh, Rocky Mountain shop fighting fever, but deer, deer carry this Lone Star tick fever too. And uh, there's, it's moving as the weather gets warmer and the climates change and deer move. It's moving to the north and the northwest. And, you know, we don't want it to get in our northern friends either. But uh, the Lone Star, is, it's really a, it's a strong tick. It's a strong uh, strand of tick, stronger than your normal tick. It can really survive in really hot or cold weather. So, uh, you know, up north, it can survive up north through the winter, through cold winter and snow and ice. And if we have occasionally that here too, we don't, it don't kill ticks off like uh, some of our other type ticks kill them. We don't have as many. But these things, instead of like our normal ticks, you know, they kind of got to get on you and, and then ride you and bite you. And these kind of come in a swarm, like a swarm of bees. And uh, these Lone Star ticks. And uh, they'll doggone get you and, uh, and clamp on and start sucking that blood. But uh, Jerry, you're scaring uh, me. We're talking with our Takapola storyteller. He is Jerry Short, again, straight from the veterinary clinics at Takapola <laughs> yeah. A&M and T, and filling us in again on this legitimate story. Yeah. This is not a storytelling no, this episode. Is this is actually a community service yeah. from our Takapola storyteller. And I know there's been one story put out by WashingtonTimes.com, experts warn of increasing cases of red meat allergy from tick bites. And Jerry's so breaking it, it down. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I saw the story. You gave me a heads up. Okay. You're going to be talking about ticks. I guess you thought yeah. I might not yeah. have the stomach to yeah. hear you talk about it. Well, anyway, yeah, well, you know, if you go back to all oh, what they're saying about it, you know, if you get this allergy, there's really no treatment for it, this sickness yet. You know, the government is only now in the last couple of years invested financially uh, on this allergy, which, uh, you know, it needed to be invest. Uh, they needed to be investing. I forgot how much uh, they've invested. Not that much. I think this year, just something like only seventy-five million or so. Which the way they're investing money now, that's a pretty small amount. One time, that'd been a heck of a lot amount. But anyway, these ticks, you know, they cause this uh, syndrome, and it carries this thing, uh, these molecules, and. When that gets in the blood and all, you uh, if you eat that uh, meat and that red meat, and can you think about how many people that that's going to affect that grow uh, cattle and uh, restaurants? If that really got become an outbreak, if we had an outbreak of uh, of what I like to just go ahead and call a red uh, red meat uh, allergy, but uh, they like to. They like to refer to it as a syndrome, but anyway, they commonly bite. Uh, it injects it into you, and if that got really, really on everybody and got to spreading, that could that could get into a lot of different industries and a lot of you know cattle and farms and uh, and moving cattle and this and that and going from one to the other and and um, what all it could do. So that's that's kind of why it's got us worried here and around this. Takapola area because you know this is farmland, farm country, and and we do have a lot of 
a lot of a lot of reason to be a little bit concerned about this thing if they don't get it under control and you know you just just can't if you can't eat red meat or any products made from any other mammal you know the more long star tick bites one time develops much more severe cases of it and uh you can um not even know it you can kind of be a carrier and uh and not know it some people are a little bit more uh immune to it because uh you know it's in their system uh from some other kind of way i believe i you know i hadn't studied all that but i i, I, I studied the symptoms on it because we were t- i was talking to with a veterinarian the other day hey, and some talking him uh i believe you know this rascal may have slipped off to auburn and oh man <laughs> he came home so uh anyway anyway he was telling me that uh, he, he was kind of the first one to really kind of inform me about all of it. It was getting, you know, it could get bad and it could become an outbreak. Hopefully not. But, you know, he was telling me some of the things to watch for and and be aware for and tell people about. And I, if I can remember, some of them, they were hives and itchy and scaly skin. And um, I believe he said the lips would swell and your face would swell and your tongue and throat and all that would swell, which, you know, that could block you off and block your air pipe and your esophagus off and doggone, uh, you know, that could kill you on the spot. If you swell before you got any emergency help. Um, I think there was also a runny nose involved in it and, uh, sneezing headaches. And, uh, I think he said nauseating and vomiting and, and stuff like that. But he said, if you got, two or three of those uh, symptoms of four or five that you don't have any idea what's wrong with you, you need to seek emergency medical treatment uh, if you have some of those warnings. And uh, and I think that probably would be a good idea if the word gets out. But I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't seen anything in the news or anything on TV or anything to go ahead and make me uh, aware of it and, and be a little bit scared about it. But, you know, this red uh, meat tick allergy uh, hadn't been discovered that long, so I guess it just hadn't got out. But uh, And there hadn't been many cases. But I think uh, he told me by 2000 or so there were six or 7,000 cases that they knew about and a lot that they didn't know about. And um, so, you know, we're kind of in a situation now where we're kind of the unknown. And uh, so I would just, uh, anybody, and this would fall down to, if you just like to go hiking, uh, you know, you need to make sure that you spray yourself and uh, with uh, tick off and uh, stuff of that nature. And um, and uh, probably wear hiking boots or blouse boots or long sleeve shirts, even though it's 100 degrees right now. But this is the high time for ticks, I would say, probably from uh, June to uh, first of uh, end of September, maybe. That's, they're going to be a lot more prevalent than they will be later on in the winter, obviously. But um, you need to take you need to take precautions because uh, you know I, I'm not trying to sound an alarm over something that I'm really not that uh, uh, aware of and hadn't really done that much uh research on it just from talking to the veterinarian mostly 
but uh, what he's told me, those things that I've kind of reached out to you with, I want you to be kind of aware about them. And, you know, I like to get out too. And, I, you know, he, he said even in your own yard in town, it's, it's not necessarily ticks. You know, they just don't live in the woods. They live in town also. And uh, you need to spray your yard and do things like that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of precautions that you can take for uh, a situation that we're involved in right now that uh, we're involved in and we don't really know we're involved in. And that's why so, we're talking about it on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, letting you know about ticks and, again, the ability that's out there for these ticks to end up affecting you with this Lone Star illness that Jerry is letting us know about on the Y'all Show. Jerry Short, by the way, a guy who spent decades in the woods as oh, you've been God. cruising timber through your life. You've been a surveyor. You've been a guy who's gone out and looked at people's lands. You've been up and down God knows how many kudzu-infested uh, <laughs> landscapes of the southeast. where You'd go where no man has go, gone. You've gone places Neil Armstrong wouldn't have gone, Jerry Short. And, or Dan Bone or David Crockett. <laughs> yeah, them too. And what is it? You're, you're a guy, you're a tough guy, but uh, even tough guys get ticks and, and, and bugs. What did you do in your prime when you went out in the middle of God knows where in the woods and also working with your job in special forces with the military? What did you do well, to, to kind of prevent having ticks on you, if anything? Well, military, they'll, they'll give you some, uh, some repellent also. And uh, that was usually the first thing they'd give us if uh, – when I was in a uh, special forces unit and we'd go out and have a patrol or something, you know, that would, that would be about the first thing they'd give you. But in, in an actual war, you're not going to be able to put off on you when you're trying to sneak no. up on the enemy. Come on. No. no and of course, uh, and there again, it depends on where the war is. It, in the mid East, it wouldn't matter, but, uh, you know, in, uh, other parts of the world, it would. And, and this thing, uh, I think he also told me spread it to Europe. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I've, I've been in a lot of those situations where, you know, there's nothing you can do except uh, cover up as much as you can and wear a long sleeve shirt and, and put the repellents on. And, uh, you know, there's three or four different brands, you know, and some may be better than others, but I don't know if I'd recommend any, you know, certain one right now. But, uh, however... Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, there's other things out there too. I know I got, I got a, a uh, uh, there's, there's mites and there's, uh, and there's leeches and there's all kind of stuff that I've got in the woods and in the, in the water and the swamps and, um, uh, things like that. So, you know, it, it's always good to be prepared and, uh, I don't think you can over prepare now and I'm really, you know, I'm more kind of concerned about this uh, this red meat situation because I think it affects a lot more than when we had the Rocky Mountain uh, uh, Rocky Mountain Scotty uh, spotted fever mm. because that just basically affected the individual. But here now, this spreads on to uh, restaurants and uh, and uh, cattle ranchers and uh, all kinds of stuff, sheep. You know, their own sheep. You know, so you know they own they own all kind of things like that. So any mammals. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of it's kind of kind of got me concerned reading I brought it up. Well, and, thank you uh, for doing that. 
and uh, but uh, I know that's not a that's not a story that uh, uh, that we'd normally talk about. But uh, since I was talking to the vet the other day, and he seemed kind of concerned, and he's a pretty doggone good veterinarian, and uh, he he informed me about it and and said that he was going to dig a lot deeper in it. So maybe I can pass some on later on. Uh, when he digs deeper in it, but right now it looks like uh, you know it's here, and uh, and I don't know if I mentioned a while ago the male, the female. They named they named it that Lone Star because of the one white spot on the back of the chick. Yeah. And the males have uh, white spots kind of on their edges of their body, so uh, but but they don't have that one white spot right in the center. So if you see the tick, you know how ticks are microscopic size. You just uh, don't really see them. I know my wife used to take a magnifying glass and look behind my ears. And uh, heck, I'd rescued somebody fell in a well one time, and she found she found something on me while she was looking after I'd already been through the fifth degree and eighth degree and tenth degree but uh she found something and wanted to know how in the heck i got that on there so you never know what you're going to pick up no uh, you don't and that's why we want you to be careful and again do your own research on these ticks and how they're affecting uh, meat perhaps and more jerry thank you for bringing that up and also congratulations for getting out of the woods successfully all those decades well yeah i still like to go back every now and then um, I've let the dot grass grow a little high in my, where my dog's fenced off, and I think I'm going to go in there late this afternoon when it's not quite so hot. And I was thinking about, uh-huh, I can just see one of these lone stars getting on my, getting on me when I go in there to cut that grass. But uh, we, you know, it's just uh, it's one of those things that uh, another one of those things that. We're in those times right now, it looks like, that there's a lot of things that we've got to think about uh, and do. I wish the government would get a little bit more involved in this case, as they are in uh, every other walk of our life, it looks like. And uh, we may be wearing masks again before long. They just announced today in Louisiana, mask mandate all the way through September. You're talking about schools and everywhere yeah indoors and outdoors i'm sorry oh. definitely indoors not outdoors what, what, yet did they mention what that would do to uh say a ball game and uh, ball game's not affected because it's outdoors unless it's i guess in the superdome yeah well i know today my grandson uh one of my grandson it's a senior in high school uh and he goes to academy in another town but I saw his son was uh, with me today up here, and he told me he got uh, they got the football practice today, and and two boys had uh, the COVID, and they had to send them home. Now, they didn't send everybody home, but they sent the two that had the COVID had been tested positive. Jerry, you know it's bad when Lindsey Graham tests positive for COVID nineteen, and he's had oh, the vaccine. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he he's had the vaccine and he tested positive. Goodness what Christ. are we going to do with Lindsey Graham being down with COVID nineteen? Jerry, and we're, he we're had the vaccine, and he had the vaccine. About one percent of people who get vaccinated, according to data from NBC News, end up are becoming 
positive for coronavirus. Jerry, we're not done with you. If you'll hold on, we'll continue our conversation with our Takapola storyteller, and we'll do that after this break. If you've got something to pass along, maybe to the Takapola storyteller, you're certainly welcome to do that. Our number is 803-816-1170. That's a text line. You can call that number sometime too, but 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with the show that's all about the South. And hey, we've been talking about them. You can't talk about them without playing a song named after them. Brad Paisley and Tix are going to take us to break. We'll be right back with more from our Takapola Storyteller. Press that bottle to your lips And I wish I was your beer And in the small there of your back Your jeans are playing peekaboo I'd like to see the other half of your butterfly tattoo Hey, that gives me an idea Let's get out of this bar Drive out into the country And find a place to park Cause I'd like to see you Out in the moonlight I'd like to kiss you Way back in the sticks I'd like to walk you Through a field of wildflowers Hey, Al Hooker. Yeah, man. Where you been so long, man? Oh, man, I've been out there at 1919 West Taylor. What you been doing out there, man? Oh, man, I was out there messing around with Rand and Dr. Newhow, man. I had to get rid of them two bugs and that roach I had. How you do that? Oh, man, I hit it something like this, Jack. That's right, baby. Welcome back to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent as we accentuate everything Southern on this show that lasts three hours of great quality conversation each and every day. And our Takapola storyteller is on with us as he's accentuating the South and the way that he does that. He is Jerry Short joining me, yours truly, John Rawl on this Monday edition of the show all about the Southeast. And if you put Jerry up next to me, if you ever have that luxury of seeing us side by side, I think one thing might just be quite obvious if you were to put us side by side. Jerry, do you know what that obvious observation would be? Well, I was listening to that uh, song, and uh, so what would be obvious if we were side by side? We would be homo sapiens, I think. Oh, but okay. uh, <laughs> you may have to give me a clue. Well, one difference between us, you know, you and I kind of share that in common. We Age. are we are proud homo sapiens. Uh, yeah. You and I are a little bit different on the homo sapien age, a- age thing. Yeah. And, yeah and, and, and so, Jerry, I got told about something not long ago from a fellow homo sapien, my mother, and she and, and you were talking earlier about how we were dealing with this tick deal and vaccinations yeah. and more. Vaccinations seem to be big time in the news these days. Since I'm so much more younger than you, 
I don't have yeah. the, the privilege of, of telling you what this is all about because I wasn't around when they were forcing this. But do you like do, do you remember in your youth taking some kind of sugar cube? Yeah, I do, but it didn't start out that way with me. I'm so old. See, it was like three or four vac- uh, vaccinations of the polo vaccine that you were supposed to take. I believe Dr. Salt had invented that. And uh, anyway, uh, I was probably in the fourth grade, Sounds if that sounds right, which would have been about 54 or something. <laughs> but uh, we first took the uh, needle vaccination for about two and then uh, the health department would come to school and give it to us. And this this is all for polio? It was for polio, okay. right. Polio was really bad then. Uh, we had we had a classmate that had braces and had polio and I knew of two or three other people around that had polio and you know it, it was it was almost an epidemic form and but they come out then as you said a while ago they came out with the, uh, and we may have been the last ones in the United States to get it, but I sure was glad when they put that uh, sugar uh, cube out there and put a drop of the vaccine on it. And and we took the last two orally with, uh, with the sugar cube. So I took the first one with the needle and the last two with the uh, sugar cube and uh, it was a lot better. And, you know, I guess polio was almost uh, wiped out in our time. I don't, uh, I don't hear of polio anymore. And uh, if they could do that for cancer, we would, uh, we would have another leg up on them, wouldn't we? We sure would. And, again, this was some, sometime, I think, in the 50s when all this was going on, and they had ultimately made – the vaccine for polio, and, and they put a little drop on a sugar cube. And that's why when I was told about this, kids and maybe adults alike were very prone to go in and standing in line to get these things. They weren't doing like in a lot of cases now, people scared of taking a vaccine, at least back in the 50s, people were enthusiastic about taking that sugar cube and being vaccinated. Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't think we had a choice. Oh, uh, really? Back in those days... You didn't go to school if you hadn't been vaccinated for seven or eight different things, such as chicken pox or blah, blah, blah. And that was one of them. And we didn't, that was given by the health department. And like I had stated earlier, they came to the school and we had to line up in the, uh, I guess it was in the uh, lunchroom. And that's where the, nurse from the health department administered this uh, vaccine and sugar cube to us weekly i think we took a shot one week a shot the next week a shot the next week and then the last two thank goodness were uh sugar cubes weeks uh and then the following week another sugar cube mm. so uh but no we we weren't given a choice we had to we had a vac uh vac- vaccinated scorecard if you please and uh, you had to present it at school when you registered for school that year, or you didn't go. And how do you remember that? Uh, you know, I've been blessed with a uh, long-term memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
reason that I, I try not to tell all of it, all I've been blessed with. But uh, You must have made all A's there at Takapola Senior High School. You know, it must have been a lot of people blessed a lot better than I was because cause it was a lot of better grades than mine. Huh. But uh, anyway, that uh, – that was that was one of the things that uh, you don't forget, you know, and uh, that uh, that was a big deal. That uh, you know, we had March of Dimes cards that you put. People would put a dime in a card when you filled it up with uh, a dollar's worth. Yeah, you know, you were good to go, and you'd pass it on. So if you had a if you happened to have an extra dime, of course, a dime would buy you a couple of good soft drinks then. But you'd put a, uh, if you was generous, you'd put a dime in that card, in that polio card. And uh, when it got full, you know, it would go on to uh, uh, whatever, wherever, you know, the government would get it and uh, it'd take and spend it. You know, the government didn't have, they didn't hand out everything in those days. We kind of had to hand out a lot of that stuff ourselves. So, uh, you know, I'll never forget those uh those polio cards, and then later with March of Dimes is what, you know, they called it. And uh, it was a heck of a time, and people took care of themselves, and and nobody turned their back on anybody, hardly, it didn't seem like. Well, Jerry, I appreciate you sharing those memories again. Since I'm so much younger than you, I didn't have those kind of experiences. That's true, and I'm glad you didn't have to go through some of that, but I wish you could have went through a lot of it. You would... Uh, You'd have enjoyed it. Yep. Jerry Short, he is our Takapola storyteller here on the Y'all Show. Thank you for coming on and talking about all this <clears throat> fun stuff. Okay, buddy. You're welcome. And you stay out of those doggone tall grass areas. Yeah, you darn yeah. right I am. Jerry that's Short, right. thank you, sir. We'll talk to you again next week here on the show that's all about the Southeast. When we come back here on Y'all Melissa Rhodes is standing by. She's going to file a Southern accent on Southern food. That's up next as we close out this second hour of talk with an accent on all things Southern. Woo-hoo, I think I'm going to go check myself for some ticks. Have you been thinking about selling your home, or has your home been on the market but still hasn't sold? You need to call my friends at the Halton Home Team, 984-2200. The Halton Home Team has an aggressive marketing system that puts them on a whole different level than other agents here in Jackson. Freddie Garrett here. After listing my home, 23 days and 17 showings later, I had a full price offer. Take it from me, personal service and attention to detail are important, and Todd and Beth handle both. And don't just believe these guys. Check us out on Zillow, the number one real estate website where we are ranked number one in sales for Jackson and also have over 200 five-star reviews. They can help you negotiate through multiple offers to get you the most money for your home. And there's no risk. Call the Haltom Home Team at 731-984-2200. That's 731-984-2200. Go to HaltomHomeTeam.com. Oh, and start packing. Jackson. 
Congratulations, you sold your house. Now it's time to move. Leave the heavy lifting to us. A Affordable Moving and Storage. We specialize in local and long distance moving. A Affordable Moving and Storage comes complete with packing services, any size move, big or small. A Affordable Moving and Storage. For free estimates, call 731-664-5777. Call 731-664-5777. A Affordable Moving and Storage. 664-5777. A Affordable Moving and Storage. Trusted mover since 1996. I hereby sentence you to the crime scene. This is downtown Ricky Brown, your man on the street reporter, outside the Walgreens on South Highland. Excuse me, ma'am, I see you have the latest copy of the crime scene examiner news. Yes, I like the Brown Beat, downtown Ricky Brown's good news with the reader of the week. I also like West Tennessee's Outdoors by Ray Jones. People all around are reading the crime scene examiner news, and you should be reading it too. To join them, go to www.csenewsnow.com. This is WTJS, Alamo, Jackson, News Talk, West Tennessee. Southern Accent. Here's what's cooking in the South from Y'all.com. I'm Melissa Rhodes. Y'all.com Southern storyteller Jerry Short grew up on purple cows. Nope, that was not some kind of weird animal roaming the pastures of the South back in the 50s. This was a knee-high grape soft drink infused moment of deliciousness. It was vanilla ice cream. Which, you know, heck boy, that's hard to beat anywhere. Put vanilla ice cream and a knee-high grape, which color is purple when it mixes with that vanilla ice cream. And uh, we call that a purple cow. So I would belly up and say, hey, give me one of those purple cows. I believe I could use one today. And it might be as hot as it uh, back an August day. Hey, a purple cow went pretty doggone good. Recipes, tips, headlines, and more at y'all.com. And thank you, Melissa, for that great way to wrap up Hour 2 of our conversation about all things Southern. Got another hour of y'all coming up. Stay tuned. We're going to tell you more about the Florida Gators in Hour number 3, plus more headlines from across the Southeast. All that ahead. Stay tuned. Continuing on with we'll talk with a Southern accent with John Rawl, as we have this third hour of our show all about the South up and going just to give you an idea of what's ahead here in this third hour. We'll talk about the Florida Gators. We'll give you the latest on some news and a look at what's ahead on the y'all show going forward for the rest of the week. Our number, if you'd like to get involved is 803-816-1170. That's the number to text or call if you want to get involved again with the show covering everything Southern. We'll start off here with a brief sports report of what's going on across the Southeast from the NFL. It looks like Carson Wentz's time in Indianapolis is off to the wrong foot, literally, as it looks like the Colts QB is going to have to have surgery on his foot, and he's expected to be out between 5 and 12 weeks. That, according to his head coach, Frank Reich, again, Wentz, who had been a Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback, 
was sent to Indy in the offseason. And now having a twinge on his foot, he reports, as he was rolled out and planted to throw in a practice on Thursday. After that, they've gone in and looked at the quarterback's foot and Wentz, the former South Dakota, rather North Dakota State Bison, now out for the first couple of weeks of the NFL season. We wish him all the best. Nick Saban has agreed to a $9.8 million per season deal with the University of Alabama. Ultimately, when he gets to the final year, he will make $11.2 million. Pretty good money for head coach of Alabama. Of course, he has frankly earned that amount of money, leading Alabama to several national championships in his time coaching the Tide. And lastly, Clemson Tiger cornerback Fred Davis II has been charged after he was caught driving 115 miles per hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone, and Davis ends up crashing into a postal worker's car and is going to face charges for that. The 19-year-old has been released on bond, and again, he was driving 60 miles over the speed limit when he was caught there in Clemson, South Carolina, as it was also reported recently that the mail truck flipped over into oncoming traffic after being struck by a Dodge Charger that Davis was driving. So a tough time there. I wonder if Dabo Sweeney is going to put the uh, pedal to the metal, not necessarily from a speed standpoint, but uh, to discipline his young football player after a, a dumb incident for him from this past weekend that the news out of Clemson, South Carolina. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we will keep the sports talk going Today, we're talking about the Florida Gators, the traditions and more of Dan Mullen's football program, and we'll discuss Florida Gator alumni, some of the traditions you'll find at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium if you make it into game day anytime in the near future, and more about UF, your defending SEC East champion Florida Gators. That's ahead. Stay tuned to y'all. show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And today on the Y'all Show, we've been able to tell you a little bit about the Duke Blue Devils of the ACC, but we've told you a whole lot about the Florida Gators of the SEC. And we're going to spend the next few minutes discussing Florida Gator tradition, famous alumni of UF. We're on a 44-city tour across the southeast, counting up to the start of college football. And we're now in the month of August. We're about one month away from when toe meets leather, and we're excited about it. And we want y'all to be excited about it. Again, today, here on the program, we're going to tell you all about some of the great alumni and traditions of the Florida Gators. 
The Florida Gators, longtime members, founding members of the Southeastern Conference. The college actually is now 168 years old, as it was formed from about four different colleges back around 1900. One of those was the South Florida Military Institute, which was led by a former Confederate officer, by the way. And those schools came together to form this massive University of Florida. And today, Florida has over 56,000 students on the Gainesville campus. That includes nearly 38,000 undergraduates and 16,000 postgraduate students at this very prestigious university in Gainesville, Florida. Of course, school colors, orange and blue. How about some of the famous alumni of the University of Florida? Of course, lots of great Athletes have come through Florida, but what about those who aren't exactly into the sports world? Maybe they're into the acting and more. How about Bob Vila? Did you realize he was a Florida Gator alum? Yes, Faye Dunaway as a 1977 Florida alumnus. Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida, is a Florida Gator. I don't think Senator Scott is a Florida Gator, but that's okay. I know he loves his... United States Navy, he loves to tout that. Stephen Ross is a Florida alum. You also have a bunch of people, again, from the sports world. Let me tell you, who's, did you know Joe Scarborough is a both a Florida and an Alabama? He went to law school at Alabama. I do know that. I think he did. Maybe he went to law school at Florida. Either way, Joe Scarborough of MSNBC, MSDNC for some of you out there. How about some of the sports figures? Chris Collinsworth, a former Florida Gator receiver. You also have... A guy that has won a Heisman Trophy at Florida, Steve Spurrier, a Florida Gator alumnus and led them to a couple of national championships. You also have Emmett Smith, fantastic Gator running back back in the 1980s before going on to his NFL career. Tim Tebow, another Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Danny Werfel, don't want to leave him out. How about, she's been pretty big in the news lately, Abby Wambach is a Florida Gator alum with the Olympic soccer team. Aaron Andrews, the lovely Aaron Andrews, as a Florida Gator alum. Also, Laura Rutledge of the ESPN Network is a Florida Gator alum. A lot of, lot of people. Again, this is a massive university in Gainesville, Florida. And when you're massive like UF is, you're going to have a whole bunch of famous people who call that school home. Now, what about some of the traditions at the University of Florida? First, they have something called the Chant, Cheer, and Chomp. At the games, you'll become familiar with all of these different deals like the Gator Chomp, and students and alumni shout orange and blue back and forth at one point in a game. The Swamp is a big-time home field advantage for Florida Gator fans, and Bidden Hill Griffin Stadium, the longtime stadium there on the campus of the University of Florida, is a very intimidating place, if you don't believe me. Just go ask anybody who's stepped foot into that stadium to play a football game. One of the great traditions and one of the great honors I've had as a broadcaster is I got a chance to interview George Edmondson before he passed away. George Edmondson to Florida Gator fans, he was Mr. Two Bits. And I had a chance to talk to him right before he retired. And the Two Bits cheer was where Mr. Edmondson for nearly 50 years, maybe even more than 50 years, would go out on the field there at the University of Florida before a game and do a two-bits cheer. It was two-bits, four-bits, six-bits, a dollar, all for the Gators, stand up and holler. Simple little cheer, but with Mr. Edmondson's 
yellow dress shirt and his orange and blue tie. It became a great tradition, especially when Florida was rather lousy. And I had a great opportunity to interview George Edmondson many years ago. And and what a great honor it was to talk to him about the tradition he started. And you can still find there in Gainesville T-shirts that have – it's a T-shirt, but it's got his orange and blue tie over a yellow shirt. One of the other traditions at the University of Florida is the great song – we are the boys that is one of the songs that the band plays i'm gonna try to dig it up here because i think i have it on file and if i'm able to do that i'm gonna let you hear this fantastic part of a gator football game day and you can hear it for yourself about what it's like to be there in florida field for a game and see and enjoy florida gator football as only they can do there with we are the boys from old florida still Bear with me here, trying to dig that. I got, I got file overload going on here on the computer, so that's part of the problem I got. Uh, okay, I'm not seeing it, so I guess we'll have to save that one for another day. But one of the fun traditions, again, is we are the boys from old Florida. you got to know the alma mater if you're a Florida Gator fan, and you got to go to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That's the annual game in Jacksonville, between Florida and the hated Georgia Bulldogs. Some of the great traditions, of course, enemies of the Florida Gators will always point out that one of the great traditions at Florida are wearing jorts. (laughs) And, yeah, maybe Florida fans take that with pride. Who knows? But there probably is no shortage of jort wears on a game day at Florida Field. And Florida fans can laugh all the way back, especially at Georgia fans, because all they got to do is say, hey, Georgia, how many national championships do you have compared to what we've been able to do with coaches like Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier? The Florida Gators, our stop today on our tour across the southeast is the Gators, again, our latest stop alongside Duke today, getting you ready for the start of college football's 2021 season. The Gators begin the season this year at home, and they'll be taking on the Florida Atlantic Owls on September 4th. Then they turn right around. They keep it within the borders of the Sunshine State. They've got a game against the USF Bulls there at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa on September 11th. The SEC opener for the Florida Gators will be against the Alabama Crimson Tide, and that's a game at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium on September 18th. Go Gators! More of the show all about the South is coming right up. Stay tuned. We'll switch over to tell you some of the headlines of the day on this, the show that's all about the South. Chomp, chomp.
so say But it was perilous underneath That's the place you shoved your doubts And hid your ugly scars God forbid if word got out About your house of cards And I feel We're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent and we love the South, and we love when people who are not from the South are just passing through, and and we find more about them. We got Taylor dropping by the Dixie Cafe here on the Y'all Show, and Taylor is passing through the South here on a tour. Is this, Taylor, your first time visiting the Southeast? Uh, you know, originally I'm from South Florida, and a lot of my family is from North Carolina, so I would oh, go really? up there every summer and hang out with cousins and stuff, so... I always appreciate the American South. All right. Well, you've chosen to come here in early August. What do you think? <laughs> I'm all right with the heat. I, You know, anything to... you uh, got it pretty good here this day. It's not as hot as it could have been. But yeah. So you're checking out the South, going to places like Nashville. Have you been to Nashville we, before? We just got done with a weekend in Nashville. That was a lot of fun. Um, now we're heading over to Memphis for some barbecue and actually doing an overnight drive all the way down to Austin, Texas. Mm, you got an extra seat in the car? Uh, so it looks like you're hitting some <laughs> of the really big music spots. You must be, Taylor, a big fan? Uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big into like kind of the fusion of country and rock. I love like kind of the harder country songs. All right, now tell me who what's in your playlist. Um, I like I like a little Brantley Gilbert, um, uh, Jason Aldean. He's got some really good ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's it's things I used to listen to a lot back in high school that I still listen to the same tracks. Well, you don't even know what you're talking to. I'm John Rawl. This is the Y'all Show, <laughs> and we're at y'all.com. And again, we're broadcasting here. If y'all want to drop on by the Dixie Cafe, you're certainly welcome to. But we, we are a show that's all about the South. We, we cover the 16 states, a little sports, a little news, a little food, a little music, and more. And uh, we try to be nice here. That's one of the things Southerners are known for, a little Southern hospitality. So when I saw you, I thought we'd bring you on for just a second because I know you're a traveling man. What, what's your objective, Memphis this evening? Memphis this evening, and then we'll Bill take Street. the uh, – you know, I actually don't know much about Memphis. We're, we're going to go in there. I looked up some uh, top-rated barbecue spots. Uh, definitely want to hit one of those tonight and maybe go out a little what, bit. What did but, you find out? Um, I'd have to pull out my phone. I don't go, think go you Go ahead and pull it out. I'm going to right. go ahead and shout out if you get your phone with you. I do. Okay, right. all right. You do that. Let me give you my little plug on Memphis. Uh, yeah. I, have, I have lived in Memphis. I have lived in Nashville. I have not lived in Austin, Texas, at least not yet. But uh, – there's something in this part of the world that if you're in Memphis, you're going to enjoy if you stop by the Blues City Cafe. That's right on Bill Street. Wow. That's not a place for barbecue, but if you have extra meals, go there for the tamales. There's a really great, the best tamales I've ever had, I think, came from that place right on Bill Street uh, in, in downtown Memphis. You got your list of barbecue? I do. I got a couple. All right. Tell me what you find. Um, and thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably try eat, one eat of those your tamales. you got to have the barbecue. <laughs> but go, that place is very noticeable right on the corner of Bill Street and sure. and uh, some other street. But anyway, maybe at the corner of Bill Street and B.B. King is, I think, the street name now. But what did you find? All right. Uh, looking at, you know, Central Barbecue is something oh, yeah. that's really advertised. And, and we're seeing barbecue that a lot. spaghetti there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to go a little more traditional on All this right, one. you do but. that. <laughs> and I think you would, too. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, how El- many meals you, are you going to have in Memphis? We're probably just going to do one big one. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm looking at Elwood's Shack. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but it's, it's more of a, a, a smaller joint. Is it right by the Lowe's? Mm. 
I went to someplace for the first time about a month ago, and if you point to, mo- to me where it is on the map, I'll tell you if it's where I went on maybe the 4th of July is where I went. This is where it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I went there just for the first time about a month ago. It is right literally the same. It's, it shares a parking lot with Lowe's. Lowe's right. Home Improvement right there. Beautiful. And it's great. I had I didn't have ribs there. I had I think I had a burger, but that might be a place you get ribs. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I would love to. How did you find out about this place? I, you know, I was scrolling around, and my, my friend uh, Cameron, who's, who's traveling with me, uh, I, I pointed out Central Barbecue. He's like, that looks awesome, but I really want like more of like a um, – more of a, uh, you know, like got a smoker in the back kind of deal. But and you know a lot about barbecue. I'd say I'd say I'm pretty knowledgeable. You know, okay. family had a grill growing up. We we cooked a lot. Yeah. Well, Memphis is one of the things they're famous for is more of the dry rub. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? It's I'm all right with that. Hey, when in Rome, you know. Okay. Well, I mean, not every Memphis place. Sure. I mean, they, I've got a friend of mine who is part of this show. He's the barbecue barrister. He does not live in Memphis, yeah. but he shows up in Memphis. Almost once a month, he flies into Memphis on an airplane, not a car, and he goes there because he goes to the many, many places that have barbecue in mm. that one city. Memphis, and I've said it on this show before, it has its downfalls. It's got problems like any city, but boy, when it comes to barbecue, it's it truly is one of the great places. You came from Nashville since you're such a music, uh, music guy, but you like food too. What did you have in Nashville food-wise? Uh, food-wise, we it was I have never eaten so much hot chicken in my life. Well, see, I lived in Nashville yeah. 20 years ago, and I lived there for almost a decade. There was no hot chicken. I've mm. never heard of it in my life. That's a concoction that's come up in the 21st <laughs> century. But did you go to what Roscoe's? Or we went. To, all right, so we did two two different places that we had heard a lot about. Hattie B's for the uh, first yeah, one, okay. and then Prince's. Yeah, and I, I will tell you the definitive definitive judgment is and that you're Prince's. For, you're looking like you got a. a a jury here with you. <laughs> no, I think we're we're in clear agreement. Uh, Prince's was phenomenal. Um, it was a smaller cut of chicken, but the flavor and the bun itself, buttered and toasted, it was perfect. So, I, I think between the two, we chose that one as our favorite. All right. So you're going yeah. from Memphis to Austin. You're driving to Austin. Driving to Austin, and then after that, we're going to oh, New Orleans. Well, I don't even know how the the path from Memphis to Austin. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the map, yeah. you're gonna if you go the shortest way, you're gonna be going through some really rural portions of the south you know we actually would really love to do that because um apparently there's a meteor shower going on and if we get a clear night sky we might pull over and just kill an hour and just kind of stare at the stars because one way would be to go through little rock and over toward texas that way but um, probably more likely route is through shreveport Mm -hmm. you got your navigator here with you uh i've been through east texas a couple times and i really like some of those places uh around Nacogdoches, Texas is pretty good, but mm. you said you're going all the way to Austin. Going all the way to Austin, passing through Dallas, um, but though it'll be really early in the morning. Now, I just interviewed a guy. It's on my website, y'all.com. Got I it. just did an interview the other day with the proprietor of a great place just to the east of Austin, and we have that interview up right now at y'all.com that you can go check out. It's called Davalos Barbecue. It's in Seguin, Texas, and pitmaster Adrian Davila, who's been on the Today Show and more, he does a good job there if you end up down around San Antonio. But you got, what is it, Stubbs in Austin? Stubbs? Uh, I think that's one of the more famous places. We have had so much research that we've had to do on Nashville and, and Memphis that we haven't even, like, gone deep into research with Austin. I, I don't mean to be keeping you because I know you got a long way to go. No, a short we, we, time to get there. 
We got all a te- right. we got a Tesla charging now right you- outside. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's one reason he's here charging up here. Literally, his automobile, but also his creative juices are charging up. So, <laughs> just the two of you? Yeah, yeah. Just us. We we had a friend meet us for this weekend uh, from L.A. He flew out too. So the three of us hung out in Nashville. Went out with all the all the spots. Obviously, are you around chronicling Broadway. this. Sorry? Are you chronicling this? There are videos. There are some I mean, videos we should delete. you have a YouTube delete. channel, I'm telling you, this is a good opportunity here on the Y'all Show to promote it so people can see You know, I wish, I wish I had that to promote, but I can promote what my day job is. I'm actually a television producer oh, uh, in New for York I, for Cheddar, Cheddar News. And it's, I've uh, seen that. Yeah, it's business news oriented, but we also have some politics and some fun stuff. So oh. uh, I, think, I think if you're going for a uh, hospitality and a friendly vibe like well, you are, Well, we're kind of like Cheddar. Y'all, yeah. y'all is the South's homepage. I'm, I'm on it right now. I got to know, how did you get the Y'all domain? That in is insane. In 2002, I had a magazine for eight years called Y'all Magazine. Wow. And when you have Y'all Magazine, you need to have a website, even back in 2001 and 2002 when we got this going. And so I called up Cox Media, Cox Media, which right. is a pretty big media company. They own Y'all.com. And they at one time back in the 90s, they launched this website called Y'all.com that honestly wasn't that great. And for about two years, I sat there looking at it. I'm like, <laughs> well, what are they going to do? It, it, they, they basically gave up on it. In fact, uh-huh. they had a screenshot on the homepage that said, the staff of y'all.com has gone fishing, dot, 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 permanently. That's just insulting to such a good domain. And so for two years, I sat there looking at it. And I finally called up Cox Media. They got their lawyers on the phone, and they sold the website to me. I was the first time they'd ever sold a website back in 2002, and I got it pretty cheap, I think. And, uh, by the way, if Cheddar wants to buy it from me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, we, we started that in 2002, and we've had the website all these years. And, and then I do this talk show about the South. And uh, one of the reasons I do this is because of people like you that just kind of stumble upon the South. We, we try to put a positive spin on this region. There's nobody else doing the Southern thing like me and, and y'all. Uh, we, we let people know the South's kind of a big deal. We are nearly – half of the country in terms of yep. our population. We mm. have about 45% of the country's population. We lead the country in terms of food. We don't. Uh, we, we lead the country, I think, in terms of sports. We lead it in terms of uh, entertainment, music. I mean, you're mixing in food and music here on this trip. And we think the South's pretty freaking cool. It's freaking awesome. And it ain't going to get yeah. done out of New York. It's got to be done down here in the South. <laughs> and so here on the Y'all Show, we have a chance each day to talk for three hours this is a three-hour talk show that we love do, it and uh, we have a good time doing it and and then we have the website and uh we just try to talk about the south but enough about y'all let's talk about y'all <laughs> so you're going to go to austin and then you said to new orleans yeah we're gonna we're gonna go to new orleans for a night so it's uh, you know it's kind of I'm newly single so it's kind of one of those blowout trips uh, where we want to just go what out do you mean by that? uh that means that i am uh, i've reclaimed my freedom are you divorced? Or no, you, no, okay. just just a little relationship. Because I've been through two of those uh, things, uh-huh. and that 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 tells a story. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a lot more in the know about the world because of that kind of stuff. Uh, going through heartache and heartbreak, yeah. you can learn a lot. But that's that's. I'm, I'm over two in New York so far. <laughs> well, I'm over two in the SEC. I married one wife from Tuscaloosa and the other one from Oxford. I'm at least switching divisions, but uh, I probably need to switch conferences, frankly. Uh, but no. Good for you. So, are you maybe you're trying to find you a good southerner? Is that is it? Uh, you know, I think I found her a couple nights ago. No. Did you? No. <laughs> I, I found one. I thought the other night too. Right. I was uh, traveling in uh, South Carolina the other day, 
and uh, went to a Braves game in Atlanta yesterday. So I, I kind of get around the roads of the South myself. But uh, I, I like your yeah. plan. I like how y'all are teaming up. That's that's the way to do it. Absolutely. And you're with uh, your traveling companions, another guy. So y'all are okay splitting a room. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, the thing is, he's also so amenable to where, like, I will take the bed, and he's just like, it, there's concrete floor. This is fine. I'll do fine there. Like, we can put them wherever we want. Okay, it's, it's very convenient. One of the problems with women, I mean, if you're, if you're a guy-girl type mm-hmm. relationship, if you, you've got to be really close, like get down the road a long time before you start taking them across the south on tours like you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to wait that long. I want to go off, but I'm too cheap to do all this stuff myself. <laughs> so if you have, like, a traveling buddy – uh, or a harmless female that's okay with this. I mean, you start. I mean, a hotel these days is at least yeah two hundred, two fifty, mm-hmm. something like that. Gas is up there mm-hmm. these days. We don't have gas, so we're all right with that. Oh, you got a Tesla. <laughs> Even better. I forgot about the Tesla. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you do? Let's say you got to go through East Texas. Do you have a whose whose car is it? It's his Tesla. Okay, what's his name? This is Cameron. Do we want to talk to Cameron? Yeah, sure. Cameron, right. come on up. Cameron, where are you from? I'm from... You're going to have to talk to that mic right there. Yeah. Do you see what he's trying to do here? I was born in Marietta, Georgia, but oh! I lived in South Florida for most of my life. Okay. So. I was in Cobb County yesterday, so... Oh, nice. All right. So you're kind of guiding him around. Have you kind of pitched him to do this? Who, who gets the credit for wanting to do this little trip? You know, it was actually the British Virgin <laughs> Islands that I was planning on going to, and then we re- and then he his passport hasn't arrived yet. So uh, we're, we're there, like, let's switch it up. the U.S. Virgin Islands. <laughs> Where's that? Oh yeah, the U.S. Right Virgin Islands. Yeah. But you don't have to have Sorry, a passport. I thought it was like a like you, got, a you don't have to have a passport to go to the U.S. It's more Virgin. expensive though. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's but British Virgin Islands. In in due time, we'll go. We'll end up there. But um, domestically, we're like we gotta we gotta see the South. So um, we just looked on a map and looked at the most fun cities that we could think of, and now we're on our way to them. And you started in. Did you, where, where is your first place you went? You said you went to Nashville. Did we, you go somewhere before that? Uh, no, just straight to Nashville is the start of the trip. So we're only about three days did in. Did you fly to Nashville? No, you I, have, I flew, he drew, drove, and my from, other friend flew. Where did you fly? Orlando. Orlando. So you drove up in your Tesla? Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. To, okay, I'm just trying to map this out. So yeah. we need to go into business and, and give people ideas. Mm-hmm. Enough of these other channels out there like Magnolia. Come on. <laughs> Which, by the way, you'll be near them uh, on, in Texas this week. But... Yeah, no, go, I'll pass over. No, no, yeah, yeah, that's go, all right. Go past them, but <laughs> we gotta we gotta start we gotta start looking out for ourselves here. But no, I'm I'm very envious, and uh, and it sounds like a lot of fun. You you two must obviously like each other, eh. or you wouldn't have signed up to go on a uh, another episode of Dumb and Dumber. I'm just kidding. They they go way west. You're not going that far west. But <laughs> he, he just lets me talk a lot and interrupt him. So right. he, yeah. yeah, since he's what's your gas mileage? Even though you don't have gas, how far can you go? I can go 350 miles. 350 on a full charge if I'm driving responsibly. Okay. And so, like, from Orlando to Nashville, I only had to charge twice. Uh, from here to Memphis, just we're stopping in here for. Yeah. 10, 15 minutes. That's all. And then and you're giving me an angry yeah, look because I'm we'll keeping you. Yeah, and we'll have to you. charge one more, maybe two more times before Austin. Um, and I like 25 minute charges. So it's not bad. Okay. And I mean, the best part is that I'm going to pay maybe three, four bucks. <laughs> so you so, do have to pay for the charge. Yeah, but it's I mean, who do you pay? Do you cheaper. pay Tesla? Paying Tesla, and then Tesla pays the electricity company in the okay. area. All right. So mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have a Tesla, but yeah. 
but you're all about it. You like it? You don't have a Tesla. Right? I don't, so. but I reap all the benefits of, of buying a Tesla. But if you could get one, your your thumbs up on Absolutely. Tesla. Absolutely. It's a beautiful ride, and uh, it's just so, like, it's like the apple of cars. It's yeah. it's very nice. I mean, And aren't they planning on moving to Texas? They are. That's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they have a big gig. You got a meeting out there with Elon? There. Is that where y'all oh, going? I wish. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll, we'll send them your if way if listening. we get them. All right, if he's so listening. we got to wrap up with y'all because y'all got much more important things to do. But what is your favorite uh, musician? Let me play you a little music as we go to break. Ooh, I mean, I love Johnny Cash. You like John R. Cash? Well, you know I what? Certainly do. Uh, Johnny Cash and uh, his wife had a famous song. You might have heard of that one before, and we're going to play that. I think it's only fitting that as we go to break with Taylor and Cameron. Right? I got that right that we play a song that the two Johnny and his great bride did a song called Jackson thank y'all and have a great rest of your trip and uh, we'll go to your cheddar.com and find out all about it right absolutely you can watch for free right now alright sounds good thank you you never know who will be dropping by the Dixie Cafe we'll wrap up this y'all show right after this time we've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out I'm going to Jackson Gonna mess around. Well, the door is always open, and the lights on in the hall, and you know that I'll be waiting when you finally come to call. All right, we're wrapping up the show all about the South, and our final segment is upon us and just like the song says hey our door is always open you can email us at mail m-a-i-l mail at y'all.com you can call us text us at the same number 803-816-1170 or you can drop by the dixie cafe when we're here broadcasting and people like cameron and taylor just kind of come up and say hello and i hope y'all enjoyed that last couple of minutes totally not planned and totally cool, don't you think, that people like that traveling, telling us about their experience in the South and enjoy talking to those two guys. And, and again, maybe you're like me. You're going to kind of go vicariously along the ride to places like Memphis and Austin and Nashville and all the cool places they've got lined up here over the next cool two, two or three days. That's what we do here on the Y'all Show. We like to promote the South, dadgummit, and we're happy to do just that. And one way we help promote the South is to tell you what is going on with the Y'all Show for the rest of the week. And we hope to be right back here with you to tell you all that's going on across Dixie as we're going to have sports and food and fun and more. It's the show that really is all about the Southeast. And again, our website, y'all.com, presents this show that's all about the South. And we're Hoping that you'll tune us in when we get back together for more conversation about Dixie. Again, our text number, 803-816-1170. Y'all have a great rest of your day, and the Y'all Show will see you back here real soon. Take us away, Dave and Sugar. Door is always open.